I think it's important that we read the Word of God together as a church family, so direct your attention to the screen, and we will read the Word of God together. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Do you agree with that? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Now, I don't know about you, but I find there's a little problem with this thing we call the the Christmas spirit, the Christmas spirit. Have you noticed how quickly it fades? Folks that are are generous and courteous uh, suddenly revert back to being selfish and obnoxious, and it happens so quickly. Like uh, New Year's resolutions, the Christmas spirit just kind of fades away very quickly as life returns to normal. Now, I'm wondering how do we keep things from going back to normal? Or better yet, how do we redefine what normal is? How do we create a new normal for us? Think about that. For me, the message of Christmas is growing clear the longer I journey on this earth and the longer I work, walk with God. I can't help but focus to the end of the story, the older I get, the return of Christ. It is the culmination of the Christmas story, is it not? who was and is and is to come, absolutely. And I believe the sequel will be far better than the original. Just wait. His second coming is mentioned lots of times in the Bible, and if you have sermon notes, we'd like to follow along this morning. In fact, in more than 500 verses in the Bible deal with the return of Christ. In fact, three times in our passage from James this morning, we find it. Now, several weeks ago, we talked about this passage from James that we just read, and then there is a common theme of patience and perseverance, and we kind of settled into that and looked at patience and perseverance, and if you missed that message, it's available online from two weeks ago, Uh, but now we look at the other theme in that passage of Scripture. Three times James mentions the return of the Lord and how it impacts the, the way that we live today. And so let's mine this passage of Scripture again today. Now, the word James and other authors of the Bible use, that particular word, parousia, refers to more than just coming, but includes the idea of presence or arrival. And it's one thing, as we think about this, uh, we think about someone coming over, but this has more than just the fact they're at the door. It has to do with getting everything ready. It's about his arrival and what's going to happen after he's here. And so that word is, is a little more encompassing than just Jesus will once again step into human history. Hmm. Now, our great hope is the arrival of Jesus. Hmm. We realize that our 
troubles and testings in this world and in our lives are just temporary and they will all come to a glorious end when Christ returns. Aren't you looking forward to that? All the troubles uh, will be gone. Now, more than 2,000 years and millions of believers later, we still have this anticipation that Jesus can come at any moment because that's what the Bible says. The return of Christ is the next event, prophetic event on God's calendar. There's not much left except for him to come again. Now, be assured he is coming. In fact, the last recorded words of Jesus found in Revelation 22 are powerful. Yes, I am coming soon. Now, some would say 2,000 years have passed. That's not so soon. But understand, God doesn't work within the framework of time because a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, Peter says. Yeah. Now, James reminds us that when he does return, it will not be as our Savior, it will not be as a baby in a manger, but he will return as our judge. That's what James reminds us. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Now, the word picture that James uses here in the original language is, is really kind of fascinating to me. It's the picture of a judge. He's at the door. He's ready to throw open the doors, and he's going to burst into the courtroom and give his edict his judgment but he's standing right at the door this is going to happen at any time he will make that dramatic entrance at his arrival again back to that word now we're reminded to be encouraged that our suffering will end but beyond that we'll also look forward to rewards that will be given to those jesus followers who have done good things for god talk about that more in a minute now all this should produce patience perseverance we looked at that in part one of our message even though all of us have problems be patient persevere he is coming that's what james is saying god's blessings come to those who endure to the end that's a message now we can never underestimate the importance of the first coming of christ into human history that's what christmas is all about the wonder of the christmas story should indeed thrill the heart of jesus believers all year round not just, obviously, in a certain season or time of the year. Here's what Paul wrote in Galatians. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Not only does it explain the fact that God sent his son, but why he did it, so that we might be adopted into his forever family. Are you part of that family? I trust that you are. That's what faith in Jesus is all about. Another way of saying it would be, when the time was just right, God made his move. God made his move, the right time. And you know, the longer you live, life is about timing. A lot of it. Timing is everything. Jesus slipped into the human drama in the form of a helpless infant in a manger in Bethlehem. We get that story. We understand that. But he was waiting for the right moment when the world would be ready. He's not late at all. He's not. He's right on time. He always is. Jesus is coming again when the time is right and the world is ready, he will again make his appearance. It will be quite different than his first. Since we don't know exactly when he's coming, we need to be ready and waiting and watching at all times. All times. That is the message of Scripture. When the time is right, he will come once again. Be assured of that. All right? His second coming should do more than thrill our hearts. It must determine how we spend our resources of time and money and how we live our lives. 
It's very important that we don't see this as some abstract theological thought. Isn't that nice? Jesus is coming again. It has to have dramatic impact on the way that I'm thinking and living my life right now, if it's reality. So in the New Testament, Jesus' second coming is mentioned eight times more than his first coming. It is an important theme. That breaks down to one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament deals with the return of Jesus, his second coming. It is a solid and important, vital message when we read the New Testament. It's right there. Now, the promise of his coming not only motivates us to perseverance and patience, as James says, but in other Bible passages, the second coming of Christ must motivate us to purity as well. Here's the way Peter put it. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. We are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. What is Peter saying? He's saying Jesus is coming, and he's saying be ready for it. Now, growing up, I don't know about you, but my parents, I uh, wasn't raised in a Christian home, um, and, and uh, Santa was the center of Christmas, not Jesus. Uh, and so my parents would use uh, Santa's arrival to control our behavior from pretty much Thanksgiving on. Because you, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Yeah. And, and you know what? He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good. For goodness sake, right? My parents very smart, controlling me and my siblings for weeks with that stuff. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Hmm. That is until Christmas morn came and we made our mad dash for the tree and tore open our presents. And then it was back to business as usual, right? Yeah, right. Likewise, as adults, all too quickly, the decorations come down, the bills come in, and we are left feeling pretty empty and numb until the Super Bowl when our next big party, right? Yahoo! Yahoo! Isn't this fun? But how can we keep Christmas in our hearts all year round? How can we make sure that, that what God has done for us resonates in our heart continually? Peter tells us in verses 12 and 14, he says, look forward. Now, this in the original language is a present tense verb, which means continually or habitually. This should be something that's constantly happening in your life. Look forward. So we get from that Christmas is much more of a time much more of a time, rather than looking back to Bethlehem, it's a matter of looking forward to New Jerusalem. And so when Christmas comes each year, I'm trusting that we will be thinking a little less about backwards to Bethlehem, although that is amazing, God stepping into human history, but being reminded that what's coming is far more incredible. New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. Now, we know a lot about the Christmas story and a whole lot about the birth of Christ, but how much time do we spend really thinking about his return and what's coming with that in his arrival? Now, as a follower of Jesus, the hope of Christ's soon return should overshadow the crud of life and the crud of Christmas. 
It should transcend all the things that are happening because we understand uh, there's something coming, something absolutely incredible. Jesus is coming. The babe of Bethlehem returns as the king of kings and the lord of lords and the stable and the shepherds and the manger and the magi give way to a heavenly host mounted on white chargers. And who is at the forefront? King Jesus. Yeah. And heaven's hosts riding behind him. No one knows the day or the hour. His return will be as sudden and unexpected as a nighttime burglar. Peter reminds us. Now, many have claimed to know when he's coming, but I remind us that no one got the details of his first coming right. Nobody did. And I got a sneaking suspicion his second coming is going to be much the same. Now, it's easy to slip into the mindset this old world is going to be just like it always has been, just going to keep on spinning, and today will be like yesterday, and it'll be like tomorrow world without end. Amen. Nah, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We're moving towards something very rapidly. God reminds us the clock is running. He reminds us, that in fact, the king is coming. He reminds us the world is going to go up in smoke. And he reminds us that New Jerusalem is the home for those who love his appearing. And I don't know what you're going through right now. And we're all going through it. It's a habit. It's a, it's a relationship. It's an attitude. It's finances, it's circumstances, whatever it is. But I'm telling us and reminding us that the return of Christ begins to put everything back into perspective. That it's not about this moment. It's about that moment when he once again does what only he can do. And it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It'll be all right. So what are we supposed to do in the meantime? Hmm, maybe I should join a militia. Maybe I should devote significant amounts of my income to doomsday prepping. Yeah, I'll be ready for the apocalypse then. Okay? Okay? Yeah, have fun with that one. All right, Scripture challenges us, though, to prepare for Christ's return a little bit differently. What does it mean? It means holy living. What does the word holy mean, by the way? We kick that around in church, and oftentimes we forget what words mean. What does the word holy mean? Set apart. Separate, set apart, consecrated, set apart. That's the essence of that word. Separate from the world, separated unto God. So it's a two-part process, right? We have to separate from the world. We also have to separate ourselves unto God. Some separate themselves from the world, but don't do the other thing and separate themselves unto God. Then we get all kinds of problems, right? You're trying to live in two worlds. How is that working for you? Not so well, does it? Nah, it doesn't. But separated from the world, separated unto God. Now the hope in our heart produces holiness in the way we live. Here's what John said. All who have this eager expectation, that is the return of Jesus, will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. And that is not easy. It's not easy to do. I think we'd all agree with that. Let's look at what the Word of God says. Peter says, make every effort to do this. The word is spuzazo in Greek. It means to do one's best. It means to spare no effort. It means to work hard. It's laborious. Like I was out there with a snowblower just hitting that thing, right? I love it when the snowplow puts those big boulders right in your driveway. It's like, thanks, bud. That's great. You got to work at that. I'm just sweating. It's like, man, it's freezing out here, but I'm sweating. This is really a workout. Woo, right? But understand, we've got to work hard at this. This doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come easily. We're in a war between good and evil. 
and our hearts are constantly being torn in different directions. We've got to work hard at this. Now, understand I'm not working for my salvation. I'm not working for it. I'm working out the salvation that I have received in Jesus at the cross. That is the message here. How do I do this? Well, I've got to surrender daily. If any man would come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Correct? So I have to surrender to him daily. I have to keep a clean slate. I have to keep a clean slate between God and me and me and others. I have to keep the slate clean. And that's the way that I stay in close communion uh, with him. The third one, close communion with God and others. There must be this uninterrupted connection between what I believe and the way that I behave because I can say all kinds of things with my words. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other thing. And then my behavior exhibits something quite differently. We have to keep those buttoned down and connected. If I say I'm a Jesus follower, I better live like a Jesus follower. Otherwise, I'm not really a Jesus follower, right? So if you say I'm a Packer fan, right? And then we lose four games in a row, right? And we say, well, you got to stay with it. you got to stay with it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. James would add these things. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. And for some of us right here, right now, we need to be patient. And there's a circumstance in your life you need to be really patient. Just wait. Just wait. Don't charge ahead. Don't try to make it happen yourself. Just wait. Be patient for the coming of the Lord is near. Others of us need to take courage. Amen. Fears and anxieties of just crippling us. And we're reminded the coming of the Lord is near. Take courage. Be encouraged in Jesus. He's going to come. He's going to set it right. It is going to be okay. He goes on to say we need to be forward-looking. Forward-looking. Verses 12, 13, and 14 of Peter's passage. The word is prosthakao. It means to wait expectantly, to be on the lookout for something, to look intently scanning the horizon is it here is it now forgetting what is behind and straining towards what's ahead we press on and for some of us we got to forget the ghost of christmas past because the ghost of christmas past has got you in chains and your past is controlling your present and god has nothing to do with that he wants us free he wants us free for what he wants to do he is coming he is coming and he wants us to be free and anxious ready waiting Longing for that moment when he arrives. How should we live? Well, we should be living like 2017 is the year. And I'm starting to hear a bit of buzz again. I I like the buzz. Maybe Jesus is coming. When I came to Jesus in my 20s, out of the business world, I came because someone shared the fact that Jesus Christ was coming back to earth. That just stuck in me like an arrow. That's what I wrestled with, and that's ultimately led me to faith in Jesus and led me to being right here, right now. Right? And so as we think about this, as we think about this, been waiting a long time for Jesus' to return. I hope it's before I die, and I hope it's soon, so... My grandkids that were just dedicated can be freed from a whole lot of pain and suffering in this world. But we prepare for the long haul. But we're watching. 
who are watching in the meantime, right? Yeah. So what time is it? It's game time. It's time to wake up. Time to look around. Time to live like we mean business with God. What if it were today? What if it were today? What if it were right at this moment? Would our heads be hung in shame like, oh, I missed so many opportunities, God, to serve you and to serve other people, to show your love? Or would our arms be open to embrace our Savior and run toward him with arms wide open? Jesus, what you've done for me. Absolutely incredible. Let me ask you, are you at peace with God? You believe there is a God? There is, and he loves you very, very much. Are we ready should he come? Now, we spend lots of time getting ready for Christmas. How about the amount of time we spend getting ready for the return of Christ? We spend a lot of time looking backwards at when he came. How much time we spent looking forward? I'm just amazed. I was amazed on Friday. How many people? Oh, I got to get ready for the storm. The storm is coming. Snow is coming. I have to go to Walmart and buy up all the milk and bread. I don't get this mentality. We spend so much time worrying about what's going to happen. We're missing the bigger picture. We miss the bigger picture. How much time do we spend getting ready for the return of Christ? Making sure our hearts are in order and our lives are in order. That's what he's calling us, encouraging us to do. Be ready. Could be at any time. Be ready. I can keep the Christmas message in my heart all year long when I realize that Jesus may come today. Joy to the world. The Lord is coming. He is coming. And finally, I do it through intentional doing. Not only do we anticipate the day of the Lord, we can hurry it along or speed is coming. What is Peter talking about? He says, depending on your translation, we can speed the coming of the Lord. We can hurry it along. Again, depending on your translation. We have some part in the return of Christ. What does that mean, do you think? How can we hurry Jesus' coming? Evangelizing. Good. How else? How do we speed the time of his return? You ever thought about that? It's an interesting kind of, whoa, brain twister. Yeah. I like what Bill said, evangelizing. You see, waiting and watching are actually a call to action. When we wait and we watch, we're not just sitting on our hands saying, oh, no, no, no. We're active. We're active. Here's what Jesus said. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There is a condition here. Then the end will come. When will it come? When we do our role in fulfilling the Great Commission. The last command of Jesus was what? Go and make of. Yes. Yes. And we can hasten the day of his return. Now, if we look at the statistics, uh, we are in a position now in human history in which every tribe and tongue can hear the good news for the first time in the history of the world. Now, I'm not talking about television or radio. I'm talking about every people group in the world having the opportunity to hear about Jesus. This has never been possible up to this point in human history. He said, then the end will come. When all have had the same opportunity we've had here in America, being in a blessed country, to hear the good news of Jesus over and over again, when the entire world has that opportunity, because God is fair, right? 
and he's not slack concerning his promises. The only reason he hasn't come yesterday is because he wants everyone to hear. He wants all to come to faith in him. As many as possible in his house, he wants to fill it up. And so he's delayed his return so that more and more people can come to know him. Now, by fulfilling the Great Commission, each of us, all of us, our church, each church, doing its job, we speed the day of his return. Kind of an interesting thought. But you know what? Somewhere in our world, someone will receive Christ as Savior, and the fullness of time will again come, and God will step into human history. Jesus Christ will come again. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. As you surrender your life to Jesus, God said, that's it. They're the last one on the list. The books are closed. It's done. Son, go get your own. Bring them home. What a day that will be. Could it be you? Someone in our world, someone will ask Jesus, save me for myself. I believe in what you've done at the cross, paying the price for my sin. Lord, Lord, I trust you. I will serve you. And the end will come. What a day that will be. I can't wait. So I say, hallelujah. Now, hallelujah means praise the Lord. And we have... Uh, a rather unique character in this church called Hallelujah Al. Uh, perhaps you've heard him before. Uh, some of you think he's obnoxious. Some of you think he's pretty cool. Uh, and that's okay because Al's Al, right? And we just want to be free to worship God without being totally obnoxious. So sometimes you will hear Al do this. That's your cue. No, no. Oh. That's weak. All right. Okay, wait for your cue, Al. I know we didn't practice this, but... Okay, sometimes in our church you'll hear this. Okay, good. And what does hallelujah mean? Praise the Lord. Okay, uh, can you all be Al's just for a moment? Not this Al, that Al. Okay, let's make sure. It's O'Malley, not Wanick. All right, I just want to clarify that. All right, so on three, let's all be hallelujah Al this morning. Okay. Let's try it and see how it works. One, two, three. Al, how was that? That was great. Okay, good, good. No, I don't think so. All right. uh, (laughs) But will our hallelujahs become humbugs in just a matter of days? Hmm, hmm. How can we keep it from happening? By living each moment of each day as God gives us the ability like it's the day Jesus is coming back for us and being ready. Here's what Paul said. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. That's his promise to each of us. Our challenge is, are we ready? Are we ready? If there's some questions in your mind, we'd love to be able to talk to you about that, about how you can have a relationship with God. It's not hard. It's not complicated. But it'll cost you everything you have. Everything. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. 
So please don't leave until you've made sure that you know that you know because you could come today. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's what the word Maranatha means. Come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together, church, shall we? Father, we thank you. Thank you for this powerful truth. And I ask that in my heart, this truth will determine the way that I live, the thoughts that I think, the words that come out of my mouth, the actions, the deeds. You are coming. I thank you, Lord, for coming As a suffering servant, I thank you for your return as the the King of glory. And Father, we long for a quiet moment that we might be still and know that you are God. Would you still our hearts, Lord, with so much restlessness? Still our hearts for a moment. And I'm grateful that you are God who meets us right at the brink when we're close to the edge we see your hand holding us we sense our nation is right on the edge and for some in this room we sense life is right on the edge But we stand at the brink of a new calendar year. Could this be the year that ends human history? Many of us are and will be faced with some incredible decisions in the months to come. And Lord, we want to trust you. We want you to guide our lives. We want you to guide this church. And so, Father, I am grateful for your incredible love shown to us at Calvary, your incredible love that will be shown to us when you come for your own. And I pray that that would include every person in this room. Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. And we'll thank you together in Jesus' name. And together, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.